my joy to welcome you to another broadcast of Sabbath Moods on Faith FM, your positively different radio station all around Australia. Sabbath Moods comes from Rockingham Seventh-day Adventist Church in Western Australia. I'm your host, Erickson Fabian, pastor of the Rockingham Church, and I'm happy that you can join me and the rest of our listening audience out there. I hope that you're physically well, that you are in good spirits, and that you'll be blessed one more time as you listen to today's broadcast. Today I want to start with a short prayer, seeking God's blessing on what we're going to share together. So pray with me now, will you? Our Father and our God, thank you for this opportunity to reflect on a message from your word, the Bible. I pray that you will give light and understanding to those who listen and speak through me. And may somebody, at least one person, receive your blessing today. In Jesus' name, Amen. How do you feel when you see someone taking something good and using it in the wrong way? You know, like a man taking some ordinary glue or nail polish remover and smelling it so much that he becomes addicted to it. Or like someone sacrificing moral values and principles just because they want some commercial gain. Or let, let's make it personal. Let's bring it close to home. How would you feel if I, your speaker, pastor, friend, the one who is sharing the good news with you, hey, talking about Jesus and believing on him and you know, and so on. How would you feel if I used my airtime to start criticizing the government or the war in Syria? Or if I start asking you to send money to me because I wanted to take my family for vacation or doing stuff like that? How would you feel? Oh, you'd be terribly disappointed, wouldn't you? You'd probably say, hey, get that man off the air. And you would be absolutely right. Friends, we have to be careful how we use gifts and opportunities and privileges, especially when we're talking about the spiritual realm. But we'll get to that in a little while. First, let's enjoy a medley by Debbie Boone entitled, The Lord is in His Holy Temple. Stay tuned.
just heard an instrumental entitled As the Deer. And before that, Debbie Boone sang a medley for us, The Lord is in His Holy Temple. Welcome back to Sabbath Moods on Faith FM. Today's message comes from John chapter 2. And we're going to reflect first on verses 12 to 17. Now follow me as I read from verse 12. After this, he, Jesus, went to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples. There they stayed for a few days. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. 
In the temple courts he found men selling cattle, sheep and doves and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves he said, Get this out of here! How dare you turn my father's house into a market? And his disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. In a recent message, I shared how Jesus attended a wedding in Cana, turning water into wine, and that was his first miracle. After that event, he left Cana and journeyed some 20 miles downhill to Capernaum, which is situated on the shore of Lake Galilee. Now that's quite a bit of walking, but in those days where you either went on, on by, by the back of an animal or on foot, that was not unusual. The Bible says that Jesus was staying in Capernaum for a few days. Perhaps during that time he worked no miracle there, for John might have told us about it. But after those few days, Jesus headed south, all the way down to Jerusalem for the Feast of the Passover. Now before rushing on, before rushing on, let me just give you a, a little bit of background to this festival called the Passover. Abram, I'm sure you must have heard about Abram, that Hebrew who became the father of faith for billions of people around the world. Abram's great-grandson Joseph was sold by his brothers out of sheer jealousy. Joseph arrived in Egypt as a slave, but God was with him and he prospered. Despite being falsely accused by his master's wife and thrown into prison, Joseph became the second in command in Egypt. Now, when a severe famine, which Joseph had predicted, struck the region, he brought his father's entire household to live in the fertile delta region of Egypt. And there, the children of Jacob, also known as the children of Israel, multiplied and prospered until the Egyptians began to take notice. Now, sometime after Joseph's death, a new pharaoh who did not know Joseph took the throne. And when this new king saw the way the Israelites were multiplying and prospering, he decided that he could not allow that to continue because they could become a threat to national security. His solution, therefore, was to make them slaves. For over 300 years, the Israelites endured cruelty and hardship of forced labor, building Pharaoh's cities. But then, God stepped in to put an end to their misery. He raised up a prophet called Moses and sent him to the Pharaoh with a command to let the Israelites go. Now, Pharaoh was stubborn. He refused to listen to the voice of God through Moses. And so God sent ten terrible plagues on Egypt to punish Pharaoh. The last of those plagues was the worst. God killed the firstborn son of every family in Egypt. But before carrying out that death sentence, God made a provision, yes, a provision, a plan of escape for the Israelites. He directed Moses to tell every Israelite head of household to kill a lamb and to take some of that animal's blood and mark the doorposts of their houses at the top and on both sides of the door so that when the angel of death would pass over the land of Egypt at midnight, he would kill the firstborn in any home that did not have the blood on its doorposts. 
But if the blood had been applied, the angel would simply pass over that house. So you can already see where the name Passover came from. Now, God commanded the Israelites to keep on celebrating this event throughout all their succeeding generations. From the writings of Moses, we read, Observe the month of Abib and celebrate the Passover of the Lord your God, because in the month of Abib, he brought you out of Egypt by night. Sacrifice as the Passover to the Lord your God an animal from your flock or herd at the place the Lord will choose as a dwelling for his name. Do not eat it with bread made with yeast, but for seven days eat unleavened bread, the bread of affliction, because you left Egypt in haste, so that all the days of your life you may remember the time of your departure from Egypt. Let no yeast be found in your possession in all your land for seven days. Do not let any of the meat you sacrifice on the evening of the first day remain until the morning. Says further, you must not sacrifice the Passover in any town the Lord your God gives you, except in the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name. There you must sacrifice the Passover in the evening when the sun goes down on the anniversary of your departure from Egypt. Roast it and eat it at the place the Lord your God will choose. Then in the morning return to your tents. For six days eat unleavened bread and on the seventh day hold an assembly to the Lord your God and do no work. I was reading from Deuteronomy chapter 16 verses 1 8. So there you have it, my friends. Jesus went south to Jerusalem according to the custom of the Jewish people for many hundreds of years, because according to the law, the Passover was to be celebrated in the place where God would choose a dwelling for his name. And that is a place that he would specially choose where people could come to worship him. Now, at the time of Jesus, that place was the temple in Jerusalem. So there, there it is again. You can understand why Jesus went to the temple at Jerusalem at the time of the Passover. Now, now, when he got to the temple, instead of seeing people busy with the celebration of this highly significant spiritual feast, guess what he found? Well, you don't really have to guess, do you? Because John says in verse 14 that in the temple courts he found men selling cattle and sheep and doves and others sitting at tables exchanging money. Imagine that. People were conducting their business transactions in the temple courts, which were supposed to be holy places. I don't know if you catch a glimpse of the lesson that I'm beginning to see uh, emerging here, but that is something very significant. It's huge, very big, I'm telling you. But it, it's going to take me some time to develop this. So let me invite you to take a musical pause with me right here, and then we'll come back and unpack this story together. Stay tuned. <music> Now let's sing, 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 sing to the one. 
Well, that was refreshing. That was beautiful music in word and in song. Welcome back to Sabbath Moods on Faith FM from the Rockingham Seventh-day Adventist Church. I'm Pastor Erickson, and we're looking at John chapter 2, following the story where Jesus goes to Jerusalem and finds people buying and selling in the temple courts, turning the holy place into a marketplace. I'm sure you will agree that this situation did not always exist. There must have been a time earlier in the history of the temple worship where people did not dare come into the courts with their animals or their money to trade. But things must have gotten worse. The business people as well as the worshippers became careless with regard to keeping the precincts of the temple as holy places. First, the traders saw an opportunity to corner a market. After all, people needed animals, sheep and goats and doves and so on. They needed animals for their sacrifices. Why should they have to go a long way to buy an animal, whereas someone could provide a service for them right there on the spot? And the worshippers must have felt the same way. Hey, why not take advantage of the animal market right here? Why should we have to bring goats and sheep from so far? The arrangement was both convenient and necessary, wasn't it? It made a lot of sense. Well, that's how it is, my friends. Sometimes we lose our sense of what is right and wrong, preferring to think, rather, of what is convenient. Hmm. Sometimes we forget about what is holy, paying greater attention to that which goes along with our own idea of success. Sometimes we become like those merchants in the temple. We misuse good things for our own selfish benefit. We mix the holy things and the common things, and we can find very good rational explanations for all that we do. And mark you, it doesn't happen overnight. Mm-mm. Gradually, little by little, we allow those things to come into our lives and crowd out other things that are most important. One bad decision and action, if repeated, forms a new habit. At first, it looks utterly harmless. But as time goes by, it becomes an integral part of our lives. We do it almost naturally, and it no longer bothers us the way it did when we first did it. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we could completely lose our sense of how things really ought to be. It stops bothering us, even though it's wrong. Well, my friends, that's sort of a fear. It, it bothered Jesus. In fact, it got him angry, and rightfully so. John says that he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And to those who sold doves, he said, Get this out of here! How dare you turn my father's house into a market? Hmm, I can imagine Jesus. Out! Out! Get out! All of you! And take your stuff with you! This is a holy place! <laughs> oh, friends, how the people must have been shocked out of their wits! Some must have thought, What's up with this madman? But others would have recognized him. No, 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 he's right. We're wrong. Come on, let's go. Let's get out of here. I tell you, it was troubling the temple courts that morning. Friends, when Jesus comes into your life, when he comes into your life, those things that you have allowed to crowd and confuse the real issue 
must go. I'm talking about all the clutter, the business, the improper health habits that are weakening and destroying our bodies, the wrong decisions that are hurting our relationships, the friends who are keeping us from serving God, the time we stay up late watching stuff on the TV that is morally degrading and not fit for the mind, the music that is giving us inappropriate messages, all those things have to go. For our lives were meant to be places like the temple in Jerusalem, places where God can receive honor and worship and glory. We were made for a holy purpose, friends. And God says to us today, like he said to Jeremiah many centuries ago, in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, he said, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I set you apart. In other words, my friend, God made us for worship. God made us for righteousness. God made us for his honor. God made you. Yes, God made you as a celebration of his creative and redemptive love. God made you for his praise. So please do not use this life that God has given you for any other purpose. If you do, he will say to you, as he would say to me, take these things away. Let there be no merchandise in my temple. Friends, the Bible says that Jesus made a whip out of cords and drove the merchant men out of the temple. Sometimes it takes firm, decisive, and even painful action to get rid of the many things that we have allowed to come into our lives and take the rightful place of Jesus. But no price is ever too hard to pay in order to bring things back into line. Remember that Jesus himself had to pay the ultimate price to bring us back to God. Stay tuned, friends. Don't go away. I'll be right back. Deep within 
So welcome back, friends. Welcome. In case you're just joining us, this is Faith FM, and you're listening to Sabbath Moods from the Rockingham Seventh-day Adventist Church in Western Australia with Pastor Erickson. We're just getting to the end of the event at the Passover in Jerusalem, where Jesus cleared the temple of the merchant man, as recorded in John chapter 2. Let me just add another footnote here. The incident has another lesson for us. A place that is built for worship and is dedicated to the worship of God should not be used for any other purpose. Hear me, please, hear me. It is very, very important, I should say. It is important to show respect for God and for the things that belong to God. Now, the truth is, God does not need a house, okay? Because He's God and He can be everywhere. But the place where His people gather to worship Him is very special to Him. They have set it aside for Him. And that's where He meets with them in a very special way to bless them. And in such a place, my dear friends, everything that is connected with the worship of the true God of heaven is to be treated not as common and ordinary, but as special and holy. The building and all that it contains, the fixtures and the furniture, the implements, the instruments, everything, even the premises, must be treated with respect because it has been dedicated to God. And finally, and finally, the disciples remembered the words of the psalmist. Psalm 69, verse 9, where he wrote, For zeal for your house consumes me. They realized that their master had a consuming passion for the things of God. And that's how it should be with every one of us. We, too, should have a burning desire, not only for seeing the things of God put to their correct use, but also for giving the things of God the rightful places in our lives. So Jesus gets into some controversy with his Jewish audience. Let's read about that from verse 18 of John chapter 2. John 2 verse 18. And here's what it says. Then the Jews demanded of him, What miraculous sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. The Jews replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and are you going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Verse 23. Now while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many people saw the miraculous signs he was doing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all men. He did not need man's testimony about man, for he knew what was in a man. Well, that's pretty interesting, my friends. Interesting indeed. Jesus' listeners, they asked him for a sign. Signs were important, especially to a people who knew and believed that God himself had given them their temple. They had no concept of a temple other than the literal building where God was worshipped. That was it. As such, they were really shocked when Jesus spoke, standing in the very temple. Jesus said, if they destroyed that temple, he would raise it up in three days. Oh, nonsense, they claimed. This place was 
46 years in building. There's no way you can build it in three days. And of course, John tells us that Jesus was speaking about his body temple and his death. You see, friends, when God puts his spirit on you, you no longer belong to yourself. You belong to him. Your mind is a sanctuary where his word is kept secure and where his spirit has control. You are not your own. You belong to him. He's the king of your life. As a matter of fact, you might find it interesting that the Hebrew word for temple also means a palace, a house for a king. And I want you to remember that always and to let this truth guide you in your decisions as to what you do with your body. Your body is God's temple. It is God's palace. And so this concept of the body as a temple was new to Christ's audience. It wasn't until after his death and resurrection that many of them finally understood what he was talking about. That's when they believed. Others believed when they saw the miraculous signs that he performed while he was at the temple for that Passover feast. And many of these people were ready to acclaim him and proclaim him as king, but he was not willing to commit himself to them because he read their intentions. He knew that many of them had simply jumped on the bandwagon, so to speak. He knew that their praise was just temporary, just on the surface, and that soon enough they'd be calling for his death. Friends, Jesus knows our heart. He can understand our inclinations, and he knows whether or not we are sincere. But more than that, he wants us to be sincere and to believe the testimony about him. We don't have to wait until we see some big sign or miracle. Let the word that he speaks be enough. Let's take him at his word. Accept the testimony of those who have felt him, those who have spoken of him, listened to him, and known him. We will all be tremendously blessed, my friends, because God himself will bless us. Stay tuned. Faith to plunge me 
This is Sabbath Moods on Faith FM from the Rockingham Seventh-day Adventist Church. We've been reflecting on a passage from the Gospel of John, chapter 2. Let me just recap from verses 13 to 16. It says, When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts he found men selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, Get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? And by way of applying this story, we have noted that just as Jesus made a whip out of cords and drove the merchantmen out of the temple, so sometimes it takes firm, decisive, and even painful action to get rid of the many things that we have allowed to come into our lives and to take the rightful place of Jesus. But hey, no price is ever too hard to pay in order to bring things back into line. Remember that Jesus himself had to pay the ultimate price to bring us back to God. Pray with me again as we close today's broadcast. Dear Father, we have heard you saying to us today that we may have allowed different things to creep into our lives and occupy the space that only you should have, that is the first place, the best place in our lives. Forgive us, Lord, for doing so. We give you permission today to cleanse these temples of ours, to get rid of the clutter, of the junk, of the merchandise, the bad habits, the impure thoughts, and the incorrect attitudes, whatever it is, Lord. We just give you permission right now to do the job in our lives. Make us clean, and then use us for your glory, we pray, in our Savior's precious name. Amen. So
afraid that's all the time we have on the broadcast today. If you've been blessed by today's program, friends, or if you would like to have a Bible question answered, why not drop me a line? You can send it to me directly. My email address is ericsonfabian at adventist.org.au. Let me spell that for you. E-R-I-C-K-S-O-N-F-A-B-I-E-N at A-D-V-E-N-T-R-S-T dot org dot A-U. The Rockingham Seventh-day Adventist Church building is located on 21 Wallace Street, Rockingham, in WA. Our church building is open every Saturday morning from 9.15 for our weekly time of Bible study and worship, followed by lunch. We also have a small group Bible study and prayer meeting every Wednesday evening at 7 o'clock. I want to personally invite you to come over and pay us a visit. Meanwhile, you can find us online at rockingham.adventist.org.au or on our Facebook page. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 368, Rockingham, WA 6168. Do tune in again, same time, same station, next week. We'll continue to share music and a message from the Word of God on Sabbath moons. Until then, this is Pastor Erickson thanking you for listening and saying, Take care, God bless you, and bye-bye.